Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Reconomy Podcast, where we discuss economic issues that impact real estate, housing, and affordability. I'm Odetta Kushi, Deputy Chief Economist at First American, and here with me is Mark Fleming, Chief Economist at First American. Hi, Mark. I've uh, been reading some headlines recently highlighting house price growth and the fact that it surpassed the housing boom peak in the mid-2000s. So the implication is that housing today is less affordable than in 2005, 2006. What do you make of that? Hi, Odetta. That's a great question, and we're going to have fun with it in a minute. But first, I think we should acknowledge a meaningful milestone. This is our 20th episode of the podcast, which I'm told is a meaningful place for podcasts that usually don't last this long. We must be having too much fun, or at least I'm having too much fun. You know, I would agree. And thank you to everyone who listens, shares, and engages with us. I love getting messages and questions about the podcast and and engaging with the listeners. I'm so excited that listeners are finding the podcast valuable and sharing it with their network. So with that, let's get back to the question mark. Get it? Question mark. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) This is going to be a long podcast. I can already tell. Yeah, it's not surprising that prices and price growth have surpassed the housing boom peak. I mean, we've talked a lot about the lack of supply, all of the demand in the housing market, and you know, your Econ 101 supply and demand, I think we did an episode on that, would say that prices should rise very quickly in response to an imbalance between supply and demand. But there's also a fact that's out there that is despite house prices being so high, Affordability nationally is actually more than 40% higher than when house prices peaked in 2006. In fact, across all 50 major markets that we track, housing's more affordable than it at their respective housing boom peaks in 2006. The question is, how can this be that housing is affordable, 40% more so, yet house prices are also historically high? I'm confused. Right. And if you're also confused, the answer is that housing is not like most goods. And we have discussed this in a previous episode, but it's so important to reiterate. When you walk into a grocery store, you judge how expensive a carton of milk is based on its price. And that's it. But in housing, most people purchase their home by taking out a mortgage. That is the difference. That's right. So adjusting for standard inflation aka the change in one's purchasing power for the standard basket of mil- uh, basket of goods that includes milk and eggs and other things we buy as is sometimes done when we talk about real inflation adjusted measures that's not the right adjustment in this market for purchasing power so what's more important than the house price your monthly mortgage payment Lower mortgage rates allow a potential home buyer to afford more home for the same monthly payment. And the right adjustment factor in this case for inflation is the mortgage rate because the mortgage rate combined with your income determines your house purchasing power. So let's go through an example. Let's say that you have a household with a median income of $60,000. And we'll look back in February of last year, right before the pandemic, when the average 30-year fixed rate mortgage stood at about 3.5%. So you are a household making $60,000, and the mortgage rate is 3.5%. We make some assumptions. 
assuming a 5% down payment and 33% debt to income, that household in February of 2020 could afford a home of about $387,000. That's very specific. Now, that same household in July of this year, when rates fell to 2.9%, could afford $30,000 more home. That's with income staying the same. That's really just because of the decline in mortgage rates. They could, you could buy a more expensive home for the same monthly payment just because rates fell 0.6 percentage points. Again, we call how much home you can afford to buy your house buying power, and it matters because most people buy homes based on how much it costs each month to make a mortgage payment, not the price of the home. So with that said, let's revisit my first statement. Home prices are more expensive than in 2006 when nominal house prices peaked, but it is, is it less affordable now than then? The answer is no, because as you say, nominal prices don't matter. Even though those nominal prices are well above the housing boom peak, real house buying power adjusted prices are 42% below that 2006 peak. House buying power has been benefiting us actually in the long run since 1981. Interest rates were over 18%. And since then, we've been on this long downward trend all the way down to below 4%. And we've been below 4% for the last decade. That's extremely increased our purchasing power relative to house prices. That means that the average 30-year fixed rate mortgage in six, of 6.3% back in 2006, now approximately 3%, is increasing household incomes of 55%, so that's gone well for the last decade as well. This all combines to make an 129% more house buying power, more than double the house buying power than at the housing boom peak. This is why housing is more affordable. This is also why house prices in large part are going up so much. Okay, I'm still stuck on the 18% mortgage rate. Oh my goodness, I can't even imagine. But that that is the rate benefit. And so accounting for low rates, housing is more affordable now than then. But many are still asking the question, will this housing boom end in a housing bust? And I think when people ask this question, they're implicitly asking the question, is housing overvalued? And I should mention that we have an episode, episode 11, where we talk about why this time it's different from the last housing boom and outline reasons why the housing market is unlikely to crash. So that's a good resource for a deep dive into that topic. But for now, let's talk specifically overvaluation or lack thereof. Uh, or lack thereof indeed. Today's housing market isn't overvalued because of the impressive rate-driven gains in house buying power. We just talked about that. If you think of it in real terms, this actually makes a lot of sense. So a better way to measure whether or not we're overvalued is to sort of look at how much one can afford to buy with that house buying power relative to the, say, median prices of homes um, that are out there. And when we do that, that comparison of how much you can afford relative to the median, unaffordable would be you can afford less than the median priced home, affordable would be you can afford that or more than the median priced home. In the bubble years, yes, in 2006, ability to pay and the amount you could afford to buy was less than the house prices, so overvalued. Today, house buying power is so high relative to the median sale price that we are actually still affordable. But real estate's local, right? You know the old adage. So not all markets are created equal. 
when we do that same analysis looking at the house buying power of individuals by market, and that's influenced by their income levels by market, as well as the prices of homes in those markets, the median priced homes, of the top 50 markets we tracked, there are only four that are currently overvalued. All are located in California, unfortunately, for our colleagues at First American. Um, but that means that there's still significantly large numbers of markets out there, 46 of them all across the country, that are actually undervalued or more affordable today. Um, for example, Los Angeles, not the highest, uh, not always the highest, but in the moment, overvalued by approximately $286,000 in 2006. It's now nearly overvalued by 30% today. That's not as bad. So even though the val overvaluation is high, it is there in Los Angeles at the moment, it's not as bad as it was in the housing boom peak. And by the way, this is not to say that house price growth should sustain this pace, because we do know from our real house price index that in June, housing affordability declined on a year-over-year -year basis for the fourth month in a row. And that's really because even though we're seeing growth in house buying power, for example, in June, that house buying power growth was about 7% compared with a year ago, but the nominal house price growth was about 19%, so really outpacing the growth in house buying power. So the question from here is, are we due for a correction? If we always assume that if it's too high, it must come down, you know, we might assume that in certain scenarios, but what we've actually found from our own research is that not all housing booms end in a bust. The last one did, we cannot forget that, but most of the time, they don't. In fact, there's all kinds of combinations of things that might be driving, driving whether or not you're successful. Even if house prices are high, that might be driven by a bunch of fundamentals like fast growing economy as we see today, low mortgage rates, things like that, all driving things to make it um, a market that is fundamentally supported at these high price levels and not necessarily going to bust. You know, one of the easiest benchmarks we can look at is the supply relative to demand. We look at something like days on market. It's only 17 days right now, and 88% of homes are on the market for less than a month. If that's not a good explanation for a, for a market dyna dynamic of supply and demand, I don't know what is. That low inventory combined with that record low mortgage rate, millennials aging into their home buying years, tighter mortgage underwriting, not the same kind of underwriting as in the housing boom. These are all fundamental reasons why we see prices doing what we're doing, what they're doing. Prices are effectively a result of a market. They aren't a standalone thing, and they can be explained today by a number of factors that are fundamentally sound in the market. So this time, it's different. All right, so we talked about the fact that the housing market on average is not overvalued, but that this level of house price growth also isn't sustainable because it's starting to cut into affordability. So if we're saying that we don't expect house prices to collapse like they did last time around, what can we expect? Yes, the what I was taught in econ class was this weird world where miraculously markets adjust perfectly and immediate to dynamics of supply and demand change. The truth of the matter is nothing happens instantly. We call it the equilibrium point. It's really dynamic. We're rarely actually in equilibrium in a market. We're always striving for it. So arguably the equilibrium is off balance right now and house prices are responding by rising. But as you say, 
The demand pressures are beginning to draw demand down out of the market, which begins to create a little bit more balance. We're already seeing an increase in inventory modestly, beginning to create a little bit more balance. And so we go from 150 miles an hour to say 100. The analogy I've often talked about in particular with house prices, house prices are not like a Lamborghini. We do not stop on a dime. We do not go into reverse very quickly. It's more like a semi-truck. That momentum of 17, 18, 19% house price growth that's behind us right now, that momentum will slow, putting the brakes on on the truck. But the, the truck will be going forward for a while. That dynamic will play out slowly over time as the market tries to bring itself back into equilibrium. That does not mean we slam on the brakes Lamborghini style and throw it into reverse and actually get price declines. Thanks, Mark. I like that analogy. So we can expect a moderation of house prices uh, rather than a sharp decline. And, you know, we touch on the real house price index often because we, we do see stories about housing affordability that don't include this key component of mortgage rates. And once you account for income and mortgage rates in the housing affordability calculation, we do find that affordability is actually better today than during the last housing boom peak. And today's house price appreciation is supported by the fundamentals and characterized by a shortage of supply relative to demand. All right, thank you for joining us on the 20th episode of the Reconomy podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can also sign up for our blog at firstam.com economics. And if you can't wait for the next episode, please follow us on Twitter. It's at Odetakushi for me and at mflemingecon for Mark. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Reconomy podcast from First American. For even more economic content, visit firstam.com economics. This episode is copyright 2021 by First American Financial Corporation. All rights reserved. For more information, visit us at firstam.com.